is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. And continuing this bizarre events of recent years, I am looking at Craig Hutchison in person today in, of all places, Perth's Optus Stadium. Hello, Hutchie, to episode 33 of Series 6 of The Sounding Board. Hello, Damo. It's nice to see you in the flesh. It's been a little while for us both, hasn't it? But you're looking in good spirits. You've settled into Perth pretty well, and uh, you've been here a lot longer than I. I got in very late last night from from Hobart, and it's nice to be here for what will be a very big fortnight of build-up to the AFL Grand Final. So great to see you. The town's yeah. buzzing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a real... It's a real Popable is it the word? Feel around. <laughs> Popable. <laughs> Always risky with me. Not not as bad as your what was it? Fri- Frivolous. Trivial. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> good good feel around town and a little unrecognisable um, to the world we've come from. We'll be back in it soon enough, and we're thinking of everyone back there. But or it might even be palpable, actually, Hutch. You, you might yeah, be throwing me out as well. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Hey, you, just by the way, like just get the the um, kind of the the small stuff out of the way before yeah. we move into the meaty issues. <laughs> Uh, well done, you broke a story. Six years into the sounding board, you actually broke your first story. That was your colleague leaving last week, Mitch Cleary. So you went off script and broke that on the sounding board. I said it wasn't off script. I wouldn't have broken it unless it was able to be broken. It had been there for other people to pick up on for probably four or five days, Hutchie, and it was all officially dealt with and handled internally. So I didn't do anything untoward. I just revealed what other people might have been able to So you broke find the news. Out. Mitch Cleary off to Channel 7. Yep. Where he's been in good form, Mitch, to join... Huge form. ...to join the newsroom and... It took a little while, but it was trending. It was clickbaiting by Wednesday on the Herald Sun. They were using an old picture of Mitch running around nightclubs with our old colleague Janine Greening as That's the cover right. picture. <laughs> Rocket so was in that photo with Tom Hawkins. We, we've wasn't? often talked about this. Don't get photographed when you're out social ever because it'll be the picture you'll never be able to get rid of. In the files of the Herald Sun, the picture editor will go, see if you can find the youngest, most social shot of this guy you can. You won't see a shot of him in the suit on the Today Show. You know, you see him running around town at a nightclub. But there you go. With a beer in hand. Beer in hand. And then... I did notice a change of gear, though, on the Seven News on the weekend. So right. Mitch is coming. And yep. Mitch is not going to be your passive number two. He's going to keep Tom pretty accountable at Seven. It's, they are going to duke it it's out. It's going to be like you and Anthony Mitch. It's going to be on again. Circa, and, and we, what was that, 1995 yeah. or six or whenever that was? That's going to be one of the uh, great jobs for Sean Minigola at Seven News is to try and keep those two bulls in the same yard. <laughs> and, and not Because they'll be trying to compete and outdo each other every day. Forget about it. So I noticed this on the weekend. On Saturday night, Tom Brown on the news. Yep. I was watching in Tassie. He was introduced normally. Tom Brown joins us for the report. Yeah. And then last night, just give me a little drum roll if you can, please, Jane. There we go. There it is. This is how we got introduced last night, Damo, on the news. Returning to Chief Football Reporter Tom Brown. Good evening, Tom. You've spoken to the yeah. Demons camp. There it is. <laughs> He's actually gone to the trouble of laying in the Chief Football Reporter tag in the intro to make a good thing of it. Like, like you actually need to remind people that there is a Chief Football Reporter. The need for actually need for one is ridiculous these days. He, he was desperate for that title. He wanted the title. He absolutely wanted and it. Um, we, the- we might have gone a bit early on Triple M saying he got the title. and I, I think he has had it for some time, but it's clearly now coming out in the broadcast itself. So. He's now made sure that they write it into the auto queue. <laughs> Jackie Felgat has had to read out the words, Chief Football Reporter Tom Brown. Did uh, you ever have that title when you were doing the, the beat? 100% I did. Did you? Yeah. Chief Football Reporter Craig Hutchison. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. 
Hundred percent, I did. I think I'm the chief football correspondent at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I think that's my email sign off. There's nothing better than a, than a, a, a fictitious title to your resume, mate. <laughs> um, anyway. well, well, we might as well stick with how, the Channel Seven theme. How's because, that going to go? That little uh, those two. Well, I might be able to drop another story here, Hutchie, relating to Channel Seven. Um, Ryan Daniels, who was in the news yep. for all the right journalistic reasons last week. We'll get to that aspect of it, uh, I'd imagine, at some stage of our next uh, 35 or 40 minutes of this uh, particular episode of The Sounding Board. Um, now, I haven't, put, I haven't put this around himself, but I've had – I would not be exaggerating this. I would have had four, five, maybe even six different people in Perth, people on the ground working in media in Perth, telling me this, that Melbourne Channel 7 had sounded out Ryan Daniels. Yeah, that'd be right. Quite significantly. To be the guy. To be the man. Are you saying Mitch wasn't the first choice? No, I'm talking to be the man. Oh, to be the chief football player. To be the man. Which, which... Oh, they're just causing trouble now. I don't want to be part of this. I was having a bit of fun till this came along. This... I'm, I'm no, out. no, no. You don't want to deal with the real stuff. I'm out. I'm ready for the door. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hachi, don't fail on me on this. This is inflammatory what you're doing here. <laughs> no, it's not. It's inflammatory. I, don't, yes. I wouldn't imagine... Ryan Daniels, if indeed he had been approached, would, would consider it to go across just to be an operator. What do you mean? Oh, to be, you I mean, he's the, I've, I've, since I've been in Perth, all you see is Ryan Daniels. He's writing columns. He's on the TV. He's calling footy. He's running social functions. He's, he's Perth's man. I mean, I always thought it was Basil Zemplis, and it still is, clearly, but, but Ryan's number two, Hutchie, in, in the way I see it unfolding, well, there's a, there's in a, that media presence. There's a baton, isn't there, in Perth, and Dennis passed it to Basil, and Basil's just warned that <laughs> he's about to pass it to the rhino. Yeah. I like his column, by the way, in the West Australia. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, let's not jump off this. I know you've got reasons to not talk about this too deeply, and do you want to delve into it or not? Because would, would that be feasible to you, Hutchie, if indeed Channel 7 Melbourne sought out yeah, I'm sure they spoke to him about a role because why wouldn't he? He's very good. He's very good. Yeah. I don't think you need in the modern 2021, by the way, we haven't been a fun to have a chief of anything, do you? Like, just surely the best story wins on the night. Surely that, it's just best yarn gets on the news. That, that is going to be an interesting dynamic when, when Mitch steps foot into that. Well, they're going to see the world differently. So they're going to, one day Mitch will say, I, I think this story, this angle on this story, and Tom will say, I think this angle on this. Yeah. I think Tom's and then one of them will go with an angle, yep. and then the other one will then potentially refute yep. it the next night. Um, they've had a few skirmishes in the past too, obviously yeah, on, on the old no, beats they've both had. And that's going to be a marriage of inconvenience in the early days, I think. But you, you, you but that's going to be good for the you. Product. Advocate for such yeah. an arrangement? And I, I don't. I, I like a, a friendly newsroom. I feel you get the result that way with the know. with the quid pro quo. I'll help you with this one. You'll, I know you'll help me out later on. But you like combat in a newsroom. You need you? an unhealthy level of tension because it drives everyone to get better. I think that just creates a really bad culture. And you know my views on that. But they're both great people. They're not going to. There's nothing wrong with the character of either person. They're just competitive, so that'll be and, and nine will step up a yeah, big but, time. But when skullduggery seeps into a person's character, it's hard to stay a good character. Hachi. There's a bit of skullduggery in every journalist, don't we? That's the sad thing about it. Nine, that is true. Nine that, and, no, that is true. Nine and ten will rise to the occasion, and the viewers will be the winner. So there you go. That's a bit of news. I just mentioned Ryan's column. Yep. He wrote a story how the Neil Yarn took off. Yep. Which got I actually saw this on Twitter and had a read of it on the plane yesterday. I thought it was a pretty good insight into a sounding board type theme into the behind the scenes on how these stories can move and shift based upon the news coming out. Yep. Um, these, are my, these were my takeaways. I thought his commentary around it, I thought he wrote it really well. He explained what happened. He didn't need to justify his story. It stacks up in hindsight. It was a great yarn regardless. Didn't need to do it, but it was a nice insight behind the scenes. Clearly, I took from it that Lockie... Knew about it, or he had to- spoke to Lockie. It was a pro Lockie story. So you you took that out of that article. Yeah, I did. Yep. Okay. That he he had spoken to Lockie or those close to him at some stage, 
And that be, makes be, before the initial story, because that's before the story gone away. Yeah, that was what I thought too, but I, I I didn't glean that out of the article. Yeah, he he said in the story that Lockie would have been at least. I'm confident Lockie was at least somewhat aware of when the news was about to drop. Now that to me says hmm. he or those close to him were aware. I of did read that paragraph and wonder. Yes. Yeah. Well, yep. What went unchallenged in that is, well, if he knew that, why didn't he actually ring the line and say, "Heads up." There's a story on the news tonight. Mm. I don't know which way it's going to come out. I'll clarify it for you tomorrow when we meet. Mm. Don't believe all you hear until then. But he didn't. He didn't seek to close that door, Lockie. So I, you know, it was it was a, well, there was radio silence after the initial report was yeah. aired, Hutchie. From, and when you do a, from Lockie, when you do a story, with teammates as well as officials, and then leaving this to the left for a second, just pondering something. When you do a story about someone and they're complicit in it in some way, shape, or form, either directly by being the source of it or indirectly by someone close to them being the source and you ring them and saying, look, you're on the money, but I should Like an envoy. Yeah. yeah. You really then can't publicly criticise them. Like Ryan is committed to a pro-Neil position from that point on, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. You can't... Well, we've all been in that situation. You can't... Ryan Daniels couldn't have gone to breakfast next morning and saying, Lockie Neal is leaving <laughs> Brisbane and I can't believe he's doing this. He can't... Because if you've actually... If he or his camp have been complicit yeah. in the broadcasting of the story, yeah. directly or indirectly or otherwise, and and good journalists always ring the source and manager or both. Yes, usually the source. Oh, yeah, actually the person himself yep. or herself. Yep. So I'm not. I wasn't surprised to see it defending Lockie <laughs> because I don't think he's probably got any any opportunity. Okay. Well, go, going on that line, and, and the guy, I look whether you know whether I mean this is the case. Yeah, of course. How I many do. times yeah. have you had your oh. opinion handcuffed by the fact that the, the subject you've been given the story by the subject? The subject's been uh, probably way too many times yeah. to be totally upfront. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I would imagine if I've got done it done it fifty times, actually, you would have done it five hundred times. I would imagine. So yeah, you, you've got you've got to work around. <laughs> We've, well, I, I can think of two or three stories we've seen recently where the mm. the reporters had to work around not criticising the subject yeah. because they've been directly or indirectly involved in the in telling the, of telling yeah. of the information. And okay, so so where where does that fit in with this whole scheme and this whole gamut of media presentation? Well, what what then in a modern world? What then happens is the story gets momentum beyond its means. Like yep. the reaction to that towered over the story itself. In yep, the end. it did. It, the cold feet factor is bigger than ever before. Now, this, this is what get, I want to get to because because there's been a cold feet element to this story playing no, yeah. out. People get spooked by the reaction to stories about them. That story being broken on Perth News on the yeah. Sunday night after the Saturday night loss of Lockie Neal's team, Brisbane Lions, took off, as, as you said. Lockie got spooked, Hutchie. Lockie got spooked. So no does Ryan Daniels, if indeed it's happened this way, or maybe just take out these two characters in this story, does the journalist then have the right to then feel a little aggrieved over the person who's maybe yeah, led the horse to water? And then obviously, it's always a journalist's call, and, and the journalist can only take responsibility for his or her actions. It, it, because publishing's a choice, and the choice there was that it went down a certain path and then changed. You know what? A, the, the story stacked up. The minute the next day he said he's considering it and Brisbane admitted they were contemplating having a meeting, it, it's a winner. Yeah. It's, 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 yep. it's over. Yep. That story's been validated from there on. Um, so and the second thing is he often with a story, and you and I have had competing views on this a little bit over the, the past, timing is so important that you pick the timing. Yeah. I, I think reading his story, he picked the exact right time to do it. Sunday night after yeah, Saturday night. 100%. Loss. He had yep. to shop early and avoid the rush on this because there was – 
that was the time when he was actually at the point of meaningfully considering it, and yep. he had to go and he had to commit to it, and yep. he did. And I reckon he, he he handled it super well. I really do. But to to the point of Even timing, though, though I would argue that the timing has meant it's not happening. It's made. It, I think it made it. What if he just dropped it? Casually at the bottom end of a sports report on Tuesday night, two nights before the the planned player exit meeting. No, he forced it to a head. Clear the story, forced it to a head. Yeah, it did. And last word on this: when things change all the time, from time of broadcast to outcome. Yep. When you say something, like it, it can change because of the coverage of it. We've oh, talked we, about we've talked about that a lot. We've had There's, several episodes he, relating to that. Ryan spoke a lot about the reaction he got on social media from people saying he got it wrong and all these things. Let me tell you, he was right at the time of broadcast. The story stood up. Mm. And what a lot of people out there would not realise is how much the conversation around a story can change people's views or opinions three or four or five days after the event. So judge people on what they say at the time they say it, not yep. what, it, what eventually happens. Yep. Yep. Would you agree with that? I would, Hutchie. I would, yeah. But uh, and, and just one last one on the specifics of Lockie Neal. Do, do, we, do, we, do we take him at his word or do we have at the back of our minds, is he an Alistair Clarkson operator, happy to say something publicly to make it go away publicly yep. for a period of time and then you revisit the issue as Alistair Clarkson did three days later and walk out of Hawthorne or seek well, to walk out of Hawthorne, which is his right to do, but that flew in the face of what he'd said three days earlier yeah, about, not- about honouring contracts, you know, for good and bad and... Life and death. And they, they were all Alistair Clarkson sentiments in those words, Hutchie, and then took off. Does Lockie Neal potentially revisit that? Dane Mems is probably a more recent example. Or he stopped at the best and first. He was staying. He was gone a week later. There will, there will be continual discussion around him until the last day of the trade. To the last minute of the trade. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can, well, we do trade radio. We've done it for 10, 12, whatever it is, Hutchie. This, I think we'll still be talking about Lockie Neal on the last day. I agree with that. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen because I don't think Freeman will want to give up the types of things I'll need to do the deal, yeah. right? And that's the issue, isn't it? So, yeah. Behind the scenes of your Fremantle, you're going. I've got a pretty good deck in this draft. Yep. He's 28. I, yep. I don't think it's a. It's an. I don't think it's a need for them. Mm. And I and I don't think Brisbane are going to be moving their position unless they. More probably, it's more like a Bryce Gibbs situation. He's two years out. Club wouldn't let him go. It's a conditioning element to what happens this next time, time next year. Different type deal. Yep. Year after he'll be back. Fremantle maybe of just yep. mating the finals, winning or losing elimination final. Up, in two years, he might end up back for a second round draft pick. Right? But the the <laughs> yeah. price changes the longer the, the deal yep. goes on. So, but it's on the on the agenda. All right. Uh, we spoke uh, at length, reasonably length, reasonable length last week on the Nadia Bartel situation, Hutchie. Um, it's on the agenda again. Well, I just got. I have it from this perspective. How do we reckon Victorian Police is going when, when Shane Patton, who's the Chief Commissioner of Victoria Police, said, we are unable to determine what the substance on the plate was? Is that what he said? That's what he said. So I understand that Victoria Police doesn't feel the need to lay charges against every single person who may have taken but, an illicit substance. But but did they ask? But the quote was, we are unable to determine what the substance on the plate was. I would like to suggest, Hutchie, if the Victoria Police can't work out what the substance on that plate was on that occasion, what hope has any crime got of being solved in Victoria? I I have totally missed that in my travels. Did they actually say that? Yes. We've been able to work out the brand of plate from Kmart, but not what was on it. What, 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 what hope of what the else state could, of Victoria got? What, what else could have been on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might have been a, some salt, Hutchie, maybe. I don't know. Has, has he ruled out salt or whiz fizz? Or... Did, did they ask the question? Did they say, before we get started, uh, Nadia, what, what, what was this on the plate? 
did they if not? No, but this is my point. Uh, look, I'm having some fun with it. What hope have they got of solving crimes if they haven't been able to establish what that was? But why not just say we're not going to ping everyone for 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 doing a line of coke rather than we haven't been able to work yeah, out what it was. That was poor spin. I mean, seriously. That was poor spin. This is the head of the Imagine if, we, if we took that to be a fact. Imagine the, the global drug, drug cartels. They'd be sitting there in Mexico going, heard about this one in Melbourne? You're not going to believe this. I've got someone on video and the cops can't work out what it is. That's an attack area for us. It's in, oh, there's, a, there's a loophole here. Yeah. Now, of course they knew what it was. Surely Nadia would have been truthful and told them. Hmm. And that's. And as we know, there's there's – Ramifications for people who get charged for such offences, and look, they're at the minor end, obviously, but but they do become issues with passport travel and visas, and no doubt know, about that. Um, access to other countries, um, you know, who knows what it looks like um, beyond the COVID situation. It might even be access to other states if you've got a certain thing. So, um, look. For Nadia's case, I'm glad she was cleared, but I don't know whether that was the statement that needed to be attached to. No, we're not charging. What about uh, switching gears for a moment? Do you think Gladys has? Pulled the right rein on the no daily presses at the right time or not? No, I don't. I don't. And and I have flagged that uh, for conversation myself, actually. I don't because, well, okay, I I actually screenshotted one of the journalists in um, The Australian today, Ewan Hannon Hutchie, and I'll just, uh, I do uh, have it here. So as as I try and find it, because I hadn't thought of this aspect of it either um, prior to this, um, this journalist tweeting this. And this is the post from Ewan Hannon, a very senior journalist. Uh, Deputy New South Wales Premier John Barillaro and Jobs Minister Stuart Ayres summoned to appear before the ICAC and give evidence over the activities of Daryl Maguire and a significant yep. grant he obtained with the help of Gladys Berejiklian. Now, that, that, was, that, was, that was a big part of why the press So, so you, you, you believe that? You're yeah. a conspiracy theorising there that, that that's think, why she's I don't think it's, not... I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think you, you know full well you're going to get asked about it every day. Well, I, I hadn't factored that in yeah. until I saw that this morning. So yeah, I, I would think it's a... My view? Well, actually, I just put myself in the her advisor mindset and what would I be saying if I were... I think it's probably the right time to bail out. You're going to have a distraction inquiry on your hands where yeah. it's inappropriate to provide a running commentary anyway. And, if you, and do, you can't anyway. If you do, you're going to get people ask you six, seven, eight questions. They're not going to take the first sound bite that you say as a no. Yep. If you do get caught on contributing a public comment to it, you could get in the way of the inquiry. Yep. And then also, the, the even more than that, she, desperately trying to shift the narrative away from today's cases. Because today's cases are going to be what they are now. They're going to be 1,200 or more for probably forever. But what about the fronting up component, Hutchie, when you, you've, you've stood there and you, you've handled it a certain way and you took all the praise? I mean, let's not forget, she, she was on the front cover of the Australian Weekend magazine, no, the Glossy. This is the, this is the person who saved Australia. So you, you take the good, you're happy to present yourself and provide your time for the, the positive stories, and now it's turned, and now we've got another layer of scrutiny, not just with the, the handling of COVID, but some other grants, and let, 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 let's all that play out with the official authorities, but why do you then walk away at that point? Because I reckon... You talk about the optics, they're yeah. bad optics. No, I think they're factors. I, I would go back to two points. Uh, one, we will never shift the narrative if we're not there every day answering how many cases we've got and how many were linked and all those things. So unless we rip the bandit off, we'll never never shift the narrative. Uh, and number two, it's time-consuming. Press conferences don't take... Gladys doesn't think about that press conference at 10.59 and 30 seconds, go in there at 11, leave at 
and then that's her 40 minutes the next day. No, no, There's all her advisors, PR people, people who are hired by the PR, people who are hired by the PR people, everyone's justifying, risk assessing, yeah. what be said, have they been consulted, yeah. they've been briefed, is this minister no? I've just spoken to the deputy uh, political reporter at, at insert organisation name here, and I feel they're going to ask you this, that, that sort of stuff, yeah, that, all that sort of briefing. And yeah. then you've got you know, individual journalists who want the follow-ups, and it, it's probably three, four hours a day of work, or two, two to four hours a day of work at a time when the state needs her working. So I would think that's a factor. Yes, but you've just admitted yourself you don't think that's the reason she stopped doing them. No, I think there's three factors. I think, one, they're trying to shift the narrative. I think, two, it's time, too time-consuming. And three, she's and I think three, which hiding is from the other inquiry. significant part of it is that do you want to be giving a running commentary during an inquiry? Yep. And I'd be saying, we're going to get some... My advice to her, not that anyone's asked me, would be we're going to get some flack for you bowing out, but we think that outcome over time will be viewed better the damage we could do keep going. Yep. But but I do think you'll see unexpected cameos like, you know, like today she got us available and, you know, mm. I think getting out of the daily cycle gives you a chance to to make an to impact choose which you club do. you hit off the tee on the day you hit it right, and you can pick the eyes out of the gaps in the inquiry and those type of things a little bit more. Okay. That would be my advice. <laughs> what? You just just play the politics as as politicians do. Well, that's unfortunately that's the business they're in. <laughs> Yeah. Survival is actually about 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 that very very act. Yeah. Okay. Um, Meanwhile, we've had the spill in Victoria. Yeah, I was going to get there. Guys, back. But I want to get there from from it, our mate though. The does, perspective does of our Steve-O mate. Does Steve-O move with the portfolio, or is he? Well, I think he stay does. behind with Michael O'Brien. Now I tried to ring him this week. I told our listeners last week. I told you off here. I was going to ring him. I hadn't spoken to him for a while. Alex just, Keys just was che- injured though. It's very tough to get through to him in a week when he's <laughs> just to check in on on a mate. And he, look, he was good enough to get back to me, but in the in the in the new fashioned way of just texting only. He just, oh, yeah. he, just he just wasn't calling back. Steve-O, I think he was so. picking the best uh, team of Premiership players from the two flags at the time. A... And he was comparing the the Latham Vandermeer kid yeah. shot. Yep. Playing for the Golden Valley competition somewhere. Good, good little recovery from Matthew Guy. He was cast aside. Um, the lobster with a mobster headline. That's right. Tasting him in the previous campaign. Dusted himself off. Yeah. There's always a and, and your our other man, Mitch Catlin's bobbed up there too. Have you seen that? No. What's he doing? Mitch Catlin. Um, you work with Mitch on Channel Seven and and a, a real mover and shaker and what's negotiator. He uh, he's oh, I think I read in. In Alistair Costas, no, maybe Fiona Burns, one of the two columns, that he is part of the, the Matthew Guy team. Is that right? I'm sure I read that. And maybe as I'm talking, I'm starting to doubt, was that you know the I, angle I saw? But I'm, I'm sure it was that. There was 25, 30 years of my life where I woke up, had the newspaper delivered, read the hard copy of the newspaper, or walked to the news agency, or both. Yep. Now I spend whole episodes of the Sandy Board going, is that right? You don't miss much though, Hachi. You're still, you're still following the right people on your social media channels. Though. I, feel, I, I find I, you don't miss too much. I feel like I'm out of, out of step a little bit with the community at the moment. But anyway. <laughs> Actually, um, just back on you. So I did ask you last week and the week before why you're in Tassie. And I think I knew deep down why you're in Tassie. And now I find you in Perth. Yeah. I was not, in- not having to quarantine like, like myself and, and others. And, and I was very grateful to be able to quarantine. But you, you managed to come in the... An avenue where you just become a normal Perth citizen straight away, which is very cleverly done. Well, I had significant amount of work to do in Tassie, so right. I know you'll roll your eyes at that. But we of course, had, of course, you did. Just happened to coincide with the we had the two finals the over two here. Finals, and then we've just only just launched our sixteen twenty nine SE in Hobart and sixteen eleven Northern Tassie. So I got two weeks to work on the Tassie. I think you launched them back in May or June, Hutchie, But that's all right. You're First right time I've had to work on the Tassie business. Then I had a bunch of meetings yesterday in Hobart, and then. Kind of, you know, reaffirmed the call late to come last night, so there was no reason. Oh, only last night you was reaffirmed. Well, I was always hopeful too, but 
got to day 15. I'd done the work quarantine and kind of made a late call to jump on a plane and come over. So Miraculous you're here. Um, well, hang on. You're not going to put out that you only, only decided officially to come last night. I was ho- hopeful, but I didn't apply until <laughs> I think I only, only applied kind of over the weekend to get in. So You think you did? did you? No, I did. I did. I hadn't done anything about it for two weeks. So Right. But I was always hopeful to, that was the next step. And It's uh, okay to good. say. It's okay to say why you're in Tassie now, surely. It, a lot of people have done it that way, I think. No, it's it, it's for me, it's a no-brainer because we've got a business there. We've got staff in Hobart, so it was nice to spend some time with them yesterday and clients in the afternoon. It was good. The Here in Perth, by the way, yep. um, the Freeman on Dockers have pinched Bob Murphy from us. So well done, <laughs> can I say, reluctantly to Frio. Did you see that coming? Uh, I was aware that Bob had been open to a, a a footy role lifestyle change. Yep, and we'd talk. We'd not to break any confidence, but he talked about living somewhere else, and and then I didn't perhaps see that, and I knew that footy each hadn't the footy flame hadn't gone out, but I didn't think it would happen quite so soon. Mm. I think it's a smart move from the Dockers, like he yeah. really yep. smart appointment. Yep, and and I'm disappointed. As I said to, to Bob, we, I'm disappointed for us. Because he was, they've got great momentum, three point eight share, highest rating drive show in years, and so I was disappointed for us because of all the momentum and the podcast is booming and the, the chemistry he and Andy have built. I'm a big fan, as you know, but um, but I'm really happy for him and his family. And I think the Freo will be the winners. Like you can imagine, Freo haven't won a flag. Don't forget, you get someone like that who's so culturally brilliant, yep. in a role that matters with a smart footy mind. Yeah, the, the planets are aligning a bit for a Dockers run, I reckon. And, and how did you feel, Hutchie, as, a, as the um, the proprietor of, of SEN, feel that, that when Mitch Cleary broke the story that your employee was leaving? Well, when I saw Mitch just missed call on my phone, I thought either A, he's upset that you broke the story on the Sandy Boys for him to have a go. I mean, I thought, no, he wouldn't He wouldn't have that temerity. I told you I'd sought Mitch's permission to go public with said story, Hutchie. Well, so well, I'd, I'd ringed off every story and I thought, oh, I hope it's not Bob. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> because I obviously was aware a few days out and we were working through the timings and all those things. So okay, <laughs> it fast-tracked. Yep. I did the old. I think we were going to release the next day, Damas. I did the old fast. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah. The fast track. Okay. <laughs> release a uh, hit go on it. Hey, um, we've discussed regularly the the, the stoush, which I'm getting really who, sick and tired of. Who? Do you, I, by the way, I say the bookies are betting on the uh, on the drive roll. That's a very great compliment of what a job it is. So, oh yeah. Uh, hopefully, there's a lot of people out there that are interested in that role because it's a fantastic radio gig. Nothing more prestigious in drive than 1116 SEN drive, Damo in Melbourne. Right, okay. I see. Well, I'll try and keep this this particular program That's a, why the book a, is a, a, an ad free zone for your for your other projects, Hachi. But I, but I never sort of seem to succeed on it. Hey, um, I'm I'm really tired of this uh, ABC versus News Limited stash. And, and you know, I'm almost on News Limited sides on, on it at the moment, actually, Hachi. And that that takes some doing for me <laughs> on any become, battle. There's been a shift in your allegiances over the last six weeks. You've become a news guy again. On this stash I have, I, 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 that Four Corners report, Hutchie, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sure there's some people at the ABC who will look at it as being the greatest piece of journalism this year. I, I didn't see it that way. It was a two-parter. I watched part one, couldn't be bothered with part two in the end. Again, as far as content of a TV goes, it, it was watchable, don't get me wrong, but I don't think there was any revelation in there that we hadn't heard of a million times prior, and I still haven't seen any smoking gun when it, it comes to some of the allegations um, attached. And, and there's another... Um, Issue here, a statement uh, released regarding some of Sophie Ellsworth's reporting in the Australian and, and various matters. And 
I don't care to go specific on it, but I, I don't know what sort of time and resource they're putting into it, particularly the ABC side of it in refuting some of the stuff. And they're, said, getting, I, they're getting thrown back over the fence, aren't they, from news? But it's you know it's a big issue when you're taking the news side of things. I'm not I just quite. There's a thawing I'm of just, your relationship. I'm not with quite news. taking the news side. I can just. Are you thawing with news? I don't think so. I you want to pop up as a columnist? I, I, I would doubt I'm thawing. <laughs> I, I would I, doubt I, I'm thawing. Like thawing. That's good. I'm glad you, you're a man of your convictions, so you see it that way. I reckon that's great. Is Guy Sebastian a man of his convictions? I would have thought he's not, given his week. Um, made a, Again, I didn't follow this 100% closely, Hutchie, but he made some, some statements about needing to, to vaccinate, which is a lot of people's views. And then, then uh, back over the next day, almost... And basically, and for those who want to see it, I mean, source it yourself. It's it's everywhere on on social media. The the rambling response to his own push for vaccinations about the right for pro choice. Yeah. You've got to stand for something, don't you? Stand, stand for something, or, or or don't say anything at yeah. all. You're don't, big. You're big on this. I'm massive on this. Yeah. Don't go out and say everyone vaccinate and then the next day go, oh, look, when I said everyone vaccinate, I, I respect everyone's yep. rights to not. And I do too. I absolutely do. But but I'm not going public like you have on this show about vaccinating because if you're going to stand for it, go for it and be all in on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, the U-turn doesn't – the U-turn is, is disastrous. The U-turn's worse than the damage you do. You think well, it yourself. is because I, I, I don't – he's not someone I need to listen to and watch, but I now look at him and thinking, well – what do you stand for, mate? What, what, what do you what you're just presenting? And I don't because... think like people wouldn't judge him. People wouldn't have judged him negatively. He's, his fans aren't going to turn on him because he's the ten percent or however many there are who who are anti-vaccination aren't going to stop listening to his music because that's his stance. Well, well, if they do, so what? You know, it's that, that's yep. that's the it price you like pay a, for standing a, for something. An advisor got involved, said, mate. You know. Oh well, no, and and. I would imagine there's a couple of contracts yep. involved too, Hutchie, with, with deals that you yeah. know might be in jeopardy. Um, ben, just, just commit to your views. And- commit to your views. And, and this is interesting too. Ben Lee, who's a musician as well and, and famous in his own world and, and writes and someone I used to love the music of. I haven't heard anything released recently, but this is his response to this. And I don't know how I saw this, but to be honest, this is actually a really sad example of what happens when your career is dependent on trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. It's a fair assessment, I think, of what happened there. You, you can't be everything to everyone in any facet of life, can you? And just commit to your view. Like if you if you feel strongly about something, just it yep. is what it is, and and live with the consequences. What, what did you make of Luke Beveridge's views oh. uh, delivered within minutes of a, an historic preliminary final win on the weekend, where he just took apart? And again, he was weak in not naming names on who he was directing comments about people's character and uh, if you want to be noble in something at least uh, die or at least fail doing something noble as opposed to the vindictive yep. nasty reporting he even got so personal Hutchie again weekly without naming the names of who he was directing it at uh, about talking about their partners and and who 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 people lie down with at night yep. I mean seriously imagine a member of the media questioned and, and threw into the conversation a player or a coach's partner or wife or Friend in, in in assessing that individual's character. I mean, what, where are we where are we getting off on this? So that was um, amazing what you just did. Then you went to ask a question and got so wound up, you actually gave the answer emphatically yourself in the same sentence. <laughs> well, nothing what, left. To, I've nothing learned. Left, you, you've actually just given a, an editorial in that question. So, well, where do you sit, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, um, Andrew Marr. <laughs> you're pretty wound up about like your old uh, well, brown lady friend. I learned after the event that. 
because I heard the Channel 7 report on the ground. Was that with Sodas, Mark Soderstrom, I yep. think? Yeah, it was a great interview. Don't it get was. me wrong. Great TV. But how we could raise all these topics within minutes of a, of a historical win in a season and a club's history. And then he doubled down in the press conference as well. So when people say it was a premeditator, we just get worked up. No, as everything is with Luke Beveridge, who is a genius coach, yep. and part of this us against them is a part of his genius. Don't get me wrong in any of that. Some of that stuff was just nasty. You know, and the, you know, there's probably one, two or three people who, you know, if you're going to fail in life, like fail at something that is noble, you know, fail at something that um, you can dust yourself off and be proud that you had a go. If you're failing at trying to pull people apart and bring them down, like two or three journalists did this week, I don't know how people around you can live with you, how, how they can lie in bed with you, how... How, you, how they can look at themselves in the mirror. It's just nasty. You know, for a guy like Adam, people know that he's had some challenges over the journey. It was just really poor and vindictive stuff, you know, and, and it was really distasteful. I thought he went all way too far on that, Hutchie. Now, I have gone on a rant there. Can I get your views on wow. it? Wow. You're still holding a bit of a grudge over the No, no, because I, I, don't, I don't think this was, um, this was directed at – I don't think this was directed at me. And, and the other thing, I, I didn't see any media that, that – that was nasty or vindictive. I think people are allowed to comment on players' performances yep. when that player is the big recruit on 900,000 or 800,000 or whatever he's on. You're allowed to comment, aren't you, and critique. So I would, I would answer it this way. I, you know that I think he's one of the most fascinating people in football. Well, he is. He is one of the most fascinating people in the game. And he's an extraordinarily he's, good coach. He's very good coach. He's quite extreme. His gap between his best and worst are a fair way apart. His best is brilliant. And he can... He can Build themes that take players on amazing journeys. Forget all that. We, we, we've uh, we've, we've and, lauded him full of that. Tell and, me what you think of what he did and, on the weekend. And he can get a little bit nuts at times and lose players with his with his incoherentness at times. He's not always pitch perfect, which is why I love him. I'm a massive, massive advocate. But referring to the past He's got a significant media chip on his shoulder. He hates the media. It's part of his... He hates uh, the AFL and he hates the media. Part of his ability to galvanise a group is the us against them. So it's the tax on that. Yep. So I can get my head around the why. Yeah. If you just took an isolated view on it, he's completely illogical so many times about media over and over again. Mm. And the AFL at the same. But I think it's part of his stick. It's part of how he builds yeah. the community around his yeah. coaching. <laughs> yep. And ultimately people are gonna live he's gonna live and die by winning or losing. So it is doing he, a great job of that. And let's face it, he he wins finals. What, was it completely inappropriate what he said? Hundred percent it was. Yeah. Was it premeditated? I agree with you. Yes, it was. And I'll give you another one. Does he care? No. No. And he ultimately won't pay the price on these things till his post footy career, where people he'll be go he'll say oh, I was only joking, and people have taken offence along the way to things he said. <laughs> well, you can't. No, that, no, there's no joke on on that. Most, and some other stuff he said. Do you think most successful coaches in our era have had significant media chips on their shoulder? I would say yes. It gets them eventually, yeah. Even the ones that come in quite open-minded with it, it gets them too. Shooty had a media chip on his shoulder at times. Yep. He used it well, though. Yep. Moldhouse had a media chip. Damien Hardwick hates media. Damien. Hates media. Chris Scott from time to time has got a media chip on the shoulder. He plays it differently. He does. He he he's, yeah. checks himself better. I don't think he cares too much for it either. As much as he does care, I don't think he cares too much for it. But, you know, most, most elite successful coaches have had that challenge is it because they live in worlds where to, to get the role of coach, they're not challenged to get the role, and then they spend a period of time where, where again, they're not challenged at all? They're, they're the... oh, no, I think it's, it, it's a combative job. 
you you spat out quickly. But they love controlling narratives and, and situations, and they can't and control, they can't the control media. media. Yep. That, that's my point. So you look at Adam Trelaw. I'll just run the Adam Trelaw exercise. You get him into your club, you recruit him. He's been very public about his anxiety battles, and Luke would back himself to work with Adam, who's a great person, by the way, to get the best out of him by managing his persona and the circumstances around his footy and the stress that he puts on himself. And then you get into a final series and you've got external forces who you can't control, mm. Kane Corns and others, mm. rightfully saying he didn't play well and his effort wasn't good enough. Absolutely so rightfully. It's easier for Luke yeah. to blame the external yeah. than to deal with... No, no, I've got no drama with blaming. I've got no drama with him criticising, but but that... that that line about people lying next to them in bed, that, yeah. that it was an un- there's something sick about that line. It was an undignified interview. Yeah. At a moment of triumph too, that's the thing. Like hmm. It was a real, really great moment where you wanted to actually laud the fact that he'd figured out the Aaliyah piece, that he'd had Norton jumping the ball un- un- impeded, that he'd been able to get Martin back for the right game. Hmm. There was, so, oh, was heaps of things where you wanted yeah. to... Oh, there's, there's angles everywhere. He didn't that need time. to deliver the drive points. No. But I do. It doesn't really change my view of him. I still love him and the way he goes about it. Yeah, I mean, and again, footballers and coaches and people in football and, and any any facet of life, Archie, talking about other people's noble causes or otherwise, you want to be pretty squeaky clean, don't you? He's a different. He's a different guy. You know what I mean? You need to have a pretty clean backyard yourself to be talking about other people in that manner, don't you? I mean, anyone. Yeah. So seriously. Yep, our errors that weren't needed. Hey, the taking out the trash, we the sounding board fraternity out there do an amazing job of keeping. It's almost like we've got our own uh, Nielsen or you know, <laughs> well, our own, well, own Morgan Research. Our own spotters. We've got our own spotters. We've got spotters out there. Got yeah. re, is it Reheim? Remember that? Reheim. <laughs> <laughs> we've got yeah. our own media sweepers out there looking for instances of t- okay, taking out the trash. There's like the sounding board sweepers, we'll call them, the people that look out for the trash takers, okay. and. There's an extraordinary example on the weekend. Was there? An extraordinary example. And who sent us this one, Hachi? This was sent on our Twitter feed, if you bothered to get off your own uh, mighty high horse and have a look at it once in a while like I do, <laughs> by so many people. When the England and India test match was cancelled, yeah. not more than 30 minutes later, when that's the biggest story in cricket in England, by a mile. And why was it cancelled? I didn't even caught up with this story full stop. Fifth test was was shut down because of... Oh, We'll come back, come back to that. There's some great, unbelievable things in that. Okay. But the India-England's cancelled, right? Test five, 2-1 in the series. It was an amazing series at that point. I haven't, I haven't even caught up with this story. How am I going? Amazing series, 2-1. And it's called off because, uh, because of COVID. But the Yorkshire Cricket Club released their racism report, 30 minutes. Oh, sorry, the highlights of their racism report, the top-line recommendations, 30 minutes after. Designed entirely to not to get the media oxygen that it that it rightfully deserves. So did they bring that forward, that release? Oh, <laughs> I mean, they either bought it forward. I think there's a ninety percent chance they bought it forward yeah. to actually land on that right spot, um, or a ten percent chance that it was coincidental. And if it was coincidental, they they had the they they had to not like it was designed entirely to bury it. <laughs> And no one was letting them get away with it among our fraternity. So Ian Hume there on uh, on Twitter, is it, is, is the person who's alerted us to that taking out the there trash? Were many, were there? there were yeah. many like Ian. Um, and it was um, it was quite uncomfortable reading the uh, report, I thought. But like, this is just the COVID issue. This just feeds into the ashes of summer. Yep. So the fifth test is called off because the Eng- Indian staff 
have got COVID. Yep. Ravi Shastri was one of them, the coach. I caught up with that aspect. I didn't realise the test was cancelled. He'd been to a book launch out in public, outside the bubble three days earlier. England are living a normal life. They were discouraged from doing that, but he went out and did it anyway. I think one of the English cricket officials was there at the same function. And then there's a, a chance he's one of the early cases in this sequence, Ravi, of the right. coaches and others being in a busy room. And the fifth test gets shut down, and they all get private playing back for six days quarantine in the UAE to play the uh, IPL. So money wins in the end. Yeah. You run that exercise in New England this summer. Can you? This is going to be a great challenge for Australia. I think they're up to the challenge. I know they'll solve this. But Cricket Australia and the federal government have got an enormous challenge on their hands. I'm worried about it, Hutchie. I know you always say, oh, it'll be right, it'll be right, people will get through and then blah, blah. But I'm really worried about this Hutchie series. You've got really worried. No, absolutely no want, willingness, or compliance to be like. Well, there's no uniformity between the states, for starters. Yeah, Ravi Shastri's had a, had a book launch, 38,000 cases a day in London. Yep. During the fifth test. Like, just Russian rule out with COVID. That is, yeah. 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 And England. The but same. if the laws of the land allow him to do it, at least he's not breaking so the, protocol. So the English look at us and they look at what's going on in Australia and they say, what are, it's like going back in time, hmm. 12 months. How are they in lockdown out there? How are they not allowed out of bubbles? How are they not living normal And with laws? no end in sight to it either, Hutchie. So um, just on cricket, and this is this is a zone that we get into and um, we don't know anything about, Hutchie, but the Australian well, you decision... Do, one-time, one-time winner of the Trent Bounce Medal for Best Sheffield Shield Reporter. Yeah, I think I did. Um, yep. Um, Australia versus Afghanistan test match was called off because yep. of the, the Taliban now controlling Afghanistan um, for its views and treatment of women and in the women's cricket space. So the Australian decision has been made to not play the, the men's test because of that view. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but would, would there have been consideration being given to the, it being a better decision to actually play the test match for the for the... For the participants of the test match, than 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 having this blanket rule, which is which. Don't get me wrong. I mean, of course, you need to take that stance. But the cricket bodies, the sports bodies, again, to Luke Beveridge's point before, talking about people being noble. I mean, where do you draw a line on 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 human rights? And there's a lot of sport being played between countries against other countries that have pretty ordinary human, human rights records. records. Yeah. And I heard. I heard Robert Craddock on SEN this morning say... I mean, do we not go to the Olympics if China's yeah. competing, Hachi? I mean, I, I don't know. I understand the count of you. I heard Robert Craddock talk about the unfortunate and horrible thing here is that the Afghan Taliban would potentially take this out on the women because of the outcome, right? And actually, I never thought of that not, aspect. You're not hurting the country. You're hurting the very thing you're trying to protect. And that was a well-argued... Hmm. Thought based upon his conversations with his friends in Afghanistan. Oh, I'd never thought of that element. Af- but, in Afghan yep. cricket. I can't get past it, though. I, I just denounce entirely the notion. I, I just, you, oh, no, 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 we, of course we do, but, but that's not what we're talking about now. No, we're talking so about the on, actual on, decision on to one, ban the game. On this one, they absolutely had to ban it. Uh, I couldn't get my head around broadcasting it on, the base, on that basis. For that reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I, I know it's an imperfect science on... Yep. But sometimes you just got to be a good human. It's got to be a line somewhere, and yeah, that's the line. And, the, yep. and on this one, and, and I, I reckon I would have made the same decision. Not, but but I'd, I'd like to think the consideration was given. Yeah, it's it's for that country to sort out its issues. Oh, well, it's not going to sort out its issues. They're, they're not playing cricket ever again, aren't you? And they're, they're not. They're, they're issues. So, that, so that, that, that's part of the decision. They're issues that are a, a generation in the making and generations to solve. 
well, they're, 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 they're not come, We can't walk past that as a country. We can't say. Okay, well, this is why I raised it. Do we, why do we compete against China? In, we, there's no conversation about not competing against China, and it's not just Australia. It's every country. China competes at the Olympics. What do you think they need to be? What, well, you, on, on the basis, why don't we stop them buying our iron ore as well? And well, on, on the basis that we're on or? the basis of we're not playing a test match, that I couldn't give two cares about. By the way, Australia versus Afghanistan. I'm not growing up yep. worshiping that game of cricket. So, so I don't care about the game of cricket. But, but on that basis, how do we then justify other involvements? I think this is my point, Hutchie. Specifically on on Afghanistan, risk and reward. Right, lots of reward. Play a meaningless test against a minnow nation versus. Well, why play it in the first take place? Take the opportunity to make a really strong stand. How many people are going in the first place? Treatment of people. Anyway, all right. There are far more complicated issues. You're right in the bigger countries, and, yep. not, and I don't begin to know the answer to those. Yep. But I know on this one, not a chance in hell that you should walk past the behaviour of the Taliban. I get that. Question of the week time for Drinkwise. <laughs> On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Been a reasonably heavy show today, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll go lighter here, Hutchie. This one's uh, directed, I think it's more to you than me. It is to you from Big Dog on Twitter. With the NFL being back, and look at those beautiful crowds, could we ask for story time from Hutchie about a favourite NFL Sunday spent over in the States? Oh, doesn't this take us back, Hutchie? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do a little NFL drop next week. Should we? A little bonus drop. Yep. What do you think? Of, of this type of question? Just reminiscing about NFL days in bars in the States. There's no better feeling than waking up on a Sunday morning, as we were able to do many times, dog, and you more than me, Hutchie, to, to go and get a brunch somewhere. I've said this many times, Big Dog. I judge my whole year of success on how many... Sundays. NFL Sundays I yeah. could get in the United States. There's 15 home and away rounds and four... And the playoffs, and, and of the fifteen, I would always try and manufacture how many in specifically New York. Yep, and it would go the same way. And it's just as good in LA too, Hutchie, because they start at I ten o'clock. <laughs> start at yeah. ten a.m. in in LA. When my ultimate and, Sunday, I'll just run you through it again. Big dog would be this: or wake up, a little put, mimosa somewhere. Put the uh, go and get a uh, like a mimosa or one mimosa or Bloody Mary for lunch. <laughs> Extra Virgin on West 4th Street was always a favourite. And the breakfast special. And then get to the bar by 11.50 because there'd always be a few horrors like me when the doors open at 12. <laughs> There's nine seats up for grabs. Yeah, you got to get to the front seat. Among the nine tellies that are on yep. for the for the one o'clock games. You need to get there by... And I was I'm getting misty-eyed here, Hutchie. <laughs> and then get to R- Riviera Sports Bar and Cafe. The worst pub in New York except on Sundays. <laughs> on Sundays, the TVs are magnificent. You couldn't walk into that joint on any other occasion. The but food yeah. was so bad, you needed rubber gloves just to hold the menu. <laughs> and yeah. the best part about that, remember the kitchen shut down one year? It was the greatest result yeah. of all time because I let you bring food but in. The beer was magnificent. The staff were great. And the TV experience is nowhere I've ever seen anywhere in the world. You had every television compact in a circle. On those occasions where they at one fifteen, there's nine games starting yep. on some occasions, you got nine games right in front of you. At 3.30 yeah. in the afternoon. That's the second wave of games. The, yeah. Well, no, the, the uh, or about to finish. Four o'clock's yeah. the second wave of games. Yeah. Four o'clock, you go off somewhere where you can actually get edible food and watch <laughs> the three games. But at three thirty in the afternoon, when that room is heaving, there's nine games on. Everyone's alive in their fantasies. Or and their you've had uh, you've had a multi bet on screens four, seven, and eleven, and, and, and you can't remember which. <laughs> and you're united in your united in the roar around the room. It's it's yeah. like being on Wall Street when the bell rings. It no, it's better than that. It was magnificent. It was poetry, Damo. Do you think we'll ever and do it? Melbourne, again? And Melbourne didn't wake generally till about. 
So you had you knew the work blitz was coming Monday morning from the office opening. <laughs> That's right. It didn't really come over the hill at you know, about yeah. four four thirty. You had a run there of freedom. Yeah, because when daylight saving kicks in in, in Australia, or certainly yep. the eastern seaboard, um, those matches are, are basically 5 a.m. start times and then 8 a.m. start times for the afternoon games. And then you got the 12 p.m., 12.30 p.m. Sunday night game. And then there was yep. always the – what I loved was the 3 o'clock straggler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the 3 p.m. straggler. Because yeah. people knew – People very much. People knew exactly where I'd be at the time I'd be there every Sunday, and they were less purists on the love of the game, and they just drift in about three. Yeah, wanting to know where you're going next. And the only thing I just didn't like was that you have the odd mate who'd say, "Save me a seat." <laughs> no, you can't, you save, can't save seats <laughs> in the Riviera. It was like a seat was like a seat. There was a Springsteen concert. Backstage, like remember a, I didn't get one one year. I was up the back by myself, and yeah, I wasn't quick enough. I used to say, "I'll be there. Push your way through yeah. the crowd and find me. I'll yeah. be at the bar. I'll have a Bud Light waiting for you if you want, and drift in any time you feel like it. But don't try and drift the conversation off the because watching. Nine when when days, are we doing that again? Two thousand and thirty-one or what? January. You reckon? One hundred percent. We'll be back in the states early next year. Yeah. Yep. All right. We. Why don't you actually do what you've never done before and come to the Super Bowl? I've never gone to the Super Bowl because it's too close to the AFL yeah, season. Actually, you know that. Like, you know, something yeah. might happen in that six weeks. <laughs> well, it did once, and I was lucky I didn't go. Um, dog, thanks for the reminisce. That was worth the question alone for the two minutes. We could just think about the life we used to live. <laughs> <laughs> that was the question of the week for Drinkwise. And, Hutchie, that wraps up uh, episode 33 of Series 6 of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink over in those bars in New York, which we hope to do again at some stage soon, and elsewhere, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.